0: A bear, okay, or apart our shed <laughs> on the first night that they were staying there,
1: like ripped off the padlock what? to get to the shed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and ripped the doors off the shed. And the guy, the guy reached out to us in the morning and was like, "I think somebody broke into your shed," <laughs> and we were like, "No, that was a bear."
2: Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Zach here. Quick question before we dive into today's chat. So are you ever scrolling on Instagram and you see these like ridiculously beautiful Airbnbs that look like they're fresh out of a dwell or restoration hardware magazine? And have you ever wondered to yourself, like how the heck are these hosts able to afford to furnish their spaces so elegantly? Well, I wondered this too, until I found out that there's actually a secret that many of the best Airbnb hosts know that enable them to buy things like West Elm Media Consoles, crate and barrel couches, and parachute sheets at prices that you just really can't get anywhere else and that secret well, it's Minoan, a completely free platform to purchase everything that you need for your short-term rental. If you have more than one short-term rental, chances are that you use some sort of system for your property management, right? Whether it's like a guestie or an uplisting. Well, Minoan is the system that hosts use for furnishing and refreshing their homes. Minoan provides hosts with a one-stop shop to get hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands, and a system where you can manage all of the ordering, all of the tracking, all of the returns, et cetera, in in one place, which obviously just saves you a lot of time and money. Oh, and the best part, again, is that Minoan is totally free. Like, no membership fees, no annual dues, nada. Like, it's almost too good to be true, except for the fact that, well, it is true. (laughs) And if you thought Minoan couldn't get any better, well, that's actually where you would be wrong. So I want you to stay tuned for more info in just about 15 minutes from now that'll make you want to sign up for Minoan the minute this episode is over. All right, so stay tuned in just a few minutes and hear a little bit more about why you want to sign up for your free, totally free, Minoan account the minute this podcast is over. In just a moment, you'll meet Jason and Monique, the founders of the Vermont A-Frame, one of the OG Instagram famous A-Frames in New England. Jason grew up vacationing in Vermont, but it wasn't until he took Monique up there from Jersey for a weekend that the couple realized just how special this part of the country really was. Soon after that trip, Jason and Monique began dreaming about how they might own a vacation home in the area and what they could do to possibly rent it out to help cover the mortgage. Tune in to hear the story of how the couple found the perfect A-frame after visiting more than 20 others and transformed it into one of the most desirable vacation homes in the Green Mountain State. In this episode, I chat with Jason and Monique about what it was like to own a unique stay back in 2017 and how their business has been impacted since the COVID boom. We talk about the best and worst experiences they've had with creators and influencers. We also talk about why they often ignore their dynamic pricing tools in favor of attracting the core guests avatar. And we also talk about a lot more. So get excited for a jam-packed, value-packed conversation with Jason and Monique. All right, Monique and Jason, we we are live. How are you both doing today? Good.
1: We're doing great. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing excellent. I am um, fresh off of uh, European time. Uh, we had a great time in Barcelona and and Portugal, um, and you know what's funny about jet lag is it sucks. Jet lag totally sucks. But it, you know, if you're waking up at like 3 a.m., you end up having like a really long day, right? So like I feel like I got so much done the past few days because I've been waking <laughs> up so early. So on a positive note, that's where uh, that's where jet lag is is really a benefit.
1: I guess that's one positive spin that you could put on it. Unfortunately, the last time I traveled overseas, that was not my experience coming back. So maybe you're just handling it a little better than I did.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it's definitely harder coming back, isn't it? Like, I, I, I don't know why that is. Like, why is it so much harder coming back than going there? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Someone smarter than me needs to needs to answer that for me. But um, enough talk about jet lag and European travels. I am really excited to talk to you both today because you guys are the people behind the Vermont A-frame. And I was thinking back to when I had first become familiar with your A-frame. And I actually think it was uh, the Kingdom A-frame, um, my friends Scooter and Alex, they were talking about you guys, and I went and found your, like they consider you guys to be like the the OG Vermont A-frame. Um, and so they said, hey, you, gotta, you gotta go check them out. I went and saw your website, thought it was super cool, and then we hopped on a quick call a couple weeks ago. So I am just ecstatic to hear your story and understand a little bit more about how the Vermont frame came to be. I've got loads of questions around, you know, how you've run the business, how you've thought about marketing and branding that I'm, that I want to dive into, but let's just start at the, at the very beginning. Like where, where does this story begin?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, as a, as a kid, I did a lot of vacationing in Vermont. Okay. Um, We would go, you know, in the winters, obviously to ski. Um, And in the summers we would go and we would camp and hike and everything like that. Um, so I, have always loved Vermont, um, you know, since I was a young kid. And so when Monique and I started dating, um, I guess it was a couple of years after we started dating,
1: it was like
0: 20, Yeah. That was our first trip. So about a year, about a year after we started dating, we took like a long weekend vacation up to Vermont.
1: And it was um, my first time going there. My, time. my childhood experience with vacationing is kind of the polar opposite of Jason's. My family <laughs> was, so we were from New Jersey. I grew up on the beach. All of our vacations were like beach vacations. If we were staying within the US, it was like Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, Ocean City, things like that. Yeah. And then if we were going away, it was always going to be like, Bermuda or you know the Caribbean islands or Mexico, like very resort focused, uh very much lay on your butt and do nothing kind of <laughs> Which I'm sure is exactly what my parents wanted, but totally different from what Jason experienced as a kid growing up. So our trip to Vermont in 2017 was my very first time going there.
2: Yeah. Wow! And Vermont is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's um, depending on like where you stay, like it it it's it's rustic it, it, or it can be right. People people the Vermont people are are great people. They're they're fine folk, but it is a. Uh, it, it it it's a, it's not. Let's just say it's not Mexico City or you know Cancun, uh, a uh, uh,
0: you know, beach resort by any means.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: The place we stayed, in fact, was quite remote. It was like on top of a mountain. It was a beautiful. little it was beautiful, a little harrowing getting there. Wow. But it was a beautiful kind of off-grid cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she kind of fell in love. I was already in love with Vermont. And like as you do, you kind of like, all right, well, what does Zillow look like around here? <laughs> you know? So, you know, and then we just kind of started to daydream about it and it just kind of progressed from there.
2: Wow! Wow, that's amazing. So, you go together, uh, Monique. What was like? What was your sort of first uh, impression of of the area? Were like Were you convinced that this is something that you know, you'd want to come back to, and and that's why you were looking into real estate, or was it more like, oh, wow, I can see why other people like it here. Let's get a place for as purely an investment. Like, where where was your head at that?
1: No, I think at that point, for me, it was strictly like, this is so beautiful. And it's so different from anything that I've really experienced personally, Mm. that I want to come back here because uh, we felt very connected while we were up there. We had such a good time, like even something as simple as just doing a drive while you're up there Mm. kind of takes on this whole new life because everything is just postcard perfect and picturesque. Like, around every turn when you're driving on one of those little two lane roads that connects two towns in a valley. It's like, there's a waterfall. There's, you know, beautiful outlook over the river. It's just, it's really incredible. And having, having not experienced that before and experiencing it for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, like I get it now. I get why growing up, there were so many people around me who were like, I love Vermont. I'm going there to <laughs> ski. I'm going there to do that. Um, so I think for us, it was kind of like, we felt very um stuck in our nine to five jobs at that point. Um you were in your position for how many years at that point? I'm a few. Um, and I was working a cool job. I don't know, take that back. Not necessarily a cool job, but a necessary <laughs> job. My coworkers were very cool. The company was chill, um, but it definitely left a lot of left they left a lot to be fulfilled, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, And I think that's really where it came from, is that we wanted to find a place that we could
0: escape to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, friends, it's me again with just a wee bit more info about our friends at Minoan. So in addition to providing hosts with a completely free system to help streamline furnishing and granting hosts access to hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands, Minoan also enables hosts to make their homes shoppable in a way that's subtle and also sophisticated. So here's an example of how this works. Let's say a guest sends you a message remarking how well they slept during their stay. And they ask, you know, what kind of mattress was in the master bedroom because when they get home they want to buy a new mattress because again they had just such a beautiful night's sleep right well as it turns out It was a purple mattress that you had ordered via Minoan when you were furnishing your home. Well, if that guest does go and buy a purple mattress, Minoan thinks that you should get a cut of that sale, right? After all, it was a great night's sleep on your mattress that convinced this guest that they had to have the same one. So Minoan's technology enables hosts to earn commissions on everything from mattresses to coffee makers and soaps to sofas. You can save on high-end furnishings upfront, and then if you want, you have the ability to earn cash money whenever your guests buy the products that they fell in love with while they were staying at your vacation rental so again you don't have to do this right you can just use minoan to buy these incredible glorious furnishings for your home you don't also have to make your home shoppable but if you want to do that minoan provides a really easy simple way to do this that does not you know disturb guest experience it's not like there's like price tags on everything right like it's a very subtle very sophisticated kind of like one little qr code uh, that you can put anywhere in your in your home and folks can go in and and explore the um the furnishings uh, around your space just by quickly scanning that that QR code. You could throw it in your, you know, on your kitchen sink near your kitchen sink, or you could put it, you know, near uh, near the guest bedroom, whatever it might be, right? Um, so I want you to take a moment right after this conversation, or you could pause the episode and do this right now, and I want you to sign up for a free count at MinoanExperience.com. Please, please, please tell the folks there that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Just head on over to Minoan. That's M-I-N-O-A-N, experience.com. And again, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate you taking some time to check out Minoan, and let me know what you think about their offerings. You guys had this great experience, uh, your first time in Vermont, Monique. Jason, you had gone several times. But I'm curious. When, when do you you guys start looking at zillow right I, I i've done the same thing after a vacation right where you're like oh that was so cool like i wonder what it would be like to own property around here and then like it quickly fades i get back to my reality right get back to job and i just remember like how much you know money i don't have and then i'm like oh never mind like that that was like a pipe dream right so so what what was it right when you came back from this trip that gave you guys the the motivation to continue to you know, seriously think about what it would look like to own property up in, in
0: Vermont. I think that for me, anyway, that was one of my first experiences with Airbnb. Huh. Right. Um, and so, you know, we went through, I went through that experience. We went through that experience and we're both kind of like, you know, this person's probably doing pretty well in terms of like the revenue that they're generating. Maybe it's possible for us to to pull together the funds to put in a down payment and if we do it at the right property, maybe we can generate enough revenue where, you know, the cost is kind of offset. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we started to do that. Obviously, the market was in a much different place at that point. Um, so it was a little bit more accessible up there. Um, and we just kind of started to realize, like, this is possible. We could we could do this.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you add anything to that, Monique?
1: Um, yeah, I think initially it was more like back of the napkin math we were like oh well you know if we did this and this then we could probably afford it if we rented it you know two or three weekends out of the month like that'll cover our mortgage and expenses aren't that high um and i it just kind of snowballed from yeah. there
2: yeah yeah and and how many one of the, one of the things, the, some of the feedback I get on on the pod from folks sometimes is like, it, it always sounds like your people just like you know went out one day they went on Zillow they found this perfect spot and then they just like bought it and like did renovation and then within thirty days it was on Airbnb making money right like and and so, I, I I feel like sometimes folks don't uh, go into detail about like just how hard it. It, it, it actually is, especially now, right, to to find a great piece of land or to find the, the right property where the numbers actually make sense. So, how like, how many listings did you guys look at? Again, this was back in, what, 2018 or so? So, before sort of the COVID boom that everyone, you know, saw and we're obviously sort of still kind of like living in that moment right now. Um, but but how many listings did you guys look at and, and how long did it take you guys to kind of pull the trigger on this?
1: So... What really prompted us to get serious about it was there was an A-frame that came on the market, not the one that we ended up getting, Mm -hmm. um, the one in Jamaica. Yeah. And we loved it. We were like, oh my God, this is beautiful. It's on three acres. It's across from a river. Like, this is fantastic. And it was priced very well. And that was the first number that we really were like, okay, well, let's run like you know, we didn't have complicated, like, spreadsheets at the time or, you know, uh, investment calculators. I was strictly going based off of what's the mortgage calculator and yeah. what are other b in the area making? So where can we, like, meet in the middle? And that was the very first time we ran numbers, right? Um When we figured out that it wouldn't be too terribly difficult to obtain, that was the first time that we reached out to a realtor. Okay. Uh, we... Once we reached out to her, we started planning a trip up there. Um, and I think that what we kind of figured was like, well, let's not put all of our eggs in one basket and let's look at a bunch of other properties too. And I think that very first weekend, we looked at,
0: let me say like three or four. What? More. Hold on. <laughs> we looked at a lot. I know.
1: We overall, yeah a ton yeah um that first weekend we maybe looked at yeah probably maybe like half a dozen wow. uh because i think we only went up for like one or two nights right yeah.
2: yeah
1: we went back up a month later to look at the same house yeah we were still considering that one and that second trip that we went up there that was the time that we stayed at Ben apple farm mm-hmm. We were up there for two nights.
2: Oh, that's amazing. And, I've always wanted to go there. there it, it looks oh, so it looks so, so cool, incredible. So I, cool. I have not been, so but cool. it's on my list. Very cool. So you guys yeah. go up there and like that. that's when you're like, all right, it's time to get serious?
1: Yep. Yep. And that weekend, we probably looked at over a dozen properties. I would say all in all, we probably looked at close to 20 properties when we were first shopping around. Wow. And at the end of the day, it came down to the very first day frame that we looked at. Um, the A-frame that we have now, and then there was one other property that was in the area that we really liked. Mm Um, the A-frame that we have now just happened to go on the market while we were up there. Wow. Wasn't planned. And I emailed our realtor the night before. And I was like, can we stop at this house? And he's like, "No, it's a little, it's like not exactly in the same area as some of the other houses, but okay.
2: Yeah. And the rest and is just, history. I
1: remember. I, I don't know. I remember like leaving there and just I don't know the the feeling, the feeling that I had after mm. being there was just something that I don't know that I can put it into words.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what? What? Like in in terms of the you, you guys saw, saw well over twenty homes as part of your search, right? So you I'm sure you looked through hundreds of actual listings. If you actually visited twenty, do you remember? I know it's it's been a few years now, but like. Do you remember like what you were looking for? Like what, like what, what, what was the criteria and like what did you feel in this home? You guys are smiling. So, yeah, it must be, you must remember. But what was the feeling that you got in this home that you, that you didn't get in the others?
0: We definitely, before we, but when we, before we even started really looking like at homes, um, when we knew we were going to start looking, we had a, an entire list of, of things that in, in, in priority order that we wanted to, do check off okay that we wanted this property to check off i think i can name the top three were like location mm-hmm. curb appeal and uh like like a woodsy vibe you but know I like a cabin that, vibe yeah, yeah.
1: the one thing that we actually sacrificed i think was acreage
0: right mm-hmm. acreage was like in the top five um but yeah those top three were definitely location curb appeal and like the cabin Like you walk
2: in, you walk in, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm in like a storybook kind of kind of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you could tell that the house um, it was very well maintained. The previous owners did such a fantastic job maintaining it, but the decor hadn't been touched since like maybe the late '80s, early '90s. Um, But it just it still felt like immaculate. Like there wasn't, it didn't feel like it was run down. It had that old rustic cabin feel, but it didn't feel like didn't feel dirty it didn't feel old hmm. if that makes sense yeah um i think the one thing that still stands out to me was the smell
2: <laughs> yeah because like, you a, walk like a good in smell and- or a bad smell, yeah. her smell, her smell. Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> you walk in and all you could smell was pine and cedar wow. Yeah
2: and like there was no know. there was no like west elm candle lit that was hiding somewhere right like it would. this was oh. like the real stuff <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah yeah this was real pine and cedar from yeah the pine uh yeah but the
0: naughty panel, pine, pine, pine paneling yeah
1: um yeah and it was just i don't know that 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 smell i wish that i could bottle it up and every now and then when we go up there like we still get A whiff whiff of it, it? yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. I wish I could just bottle it up and take it home with me. Wow.
2: Okay, so you guys, you guys get the EA frame, right? Uh, which is which is exciting. Um, and then how long, like how much how much time, how much like roughly how much money did you have to like pour in to to get it like guest ready? Was it was it like pretty easy and pretty quick, or did did you guys take a few months to kind of get things in order? Like what what was the timeline there?
1: So when it comes to like just our standpoint in general, when it comes to like investing in a short-term rental, we want we wanted to be 100% sure of our investment from the get-go. So we did everything pretty conservatively. We ran very conservative numbers. And one of the criteria that we were looking for when we were shopping for a house is that it didn't need a lot of work. Yeah. So thankfully, the house is pretty much turnkey. Uh, the biggest investment that we made off the bat was converting the fireplace from an open fireplace to a wood burning stove. Um, so that was one big key investment. And then we upgraded, um, a good chunk of the furniture pretty early on. Okay. Um, there were a things that we had to wait until we were cash flowing a little more to upgrade better, but we immediately put like, you know, a fresh coat of paint in the bathroom, spruced up some lighting fixtures, um, replaced the dining table, the rugs, uh, the mattresses, and the bed
2: frames,
1: and just kind of made it look a little more aesthetically pleasing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, It took about
0: two and a half to three months. We closed in late August 2018, and we had our first guest October second week of October yeah I think second week of October
2: yeah wow okay yeah that's pretty quick (laughs) that's pretty quick for like buying a new place and and turning it around and and whatnot so and it's you know you talked about like a few kind of quick things that you did that still takes time um and and whatnot but yeah that's pretty quick hey guys it's Zach if you're enjoying this episode could you do me two very quick favors First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a 5-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder, that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So, what was it like? Like when your your first booking came in, was it? W- were you shocked? Were you freaking scared? Like, what was what, what was your emotion like?
0: Our first booking was actually friends of ours. Sean and Brittany were the first people to, to book, actually, pay. That's to right. actually <laughs> pay. They weren't our first guests because they, 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 were they the first, stayed a
1: little later, a little yeah. later
0: in the year, but they were our first booking, which was really nice and exciting. And like, it was something, it was cool. Cause like, you know, we were, we were doing some basic marketing, posting it on our, our social media. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Obviously your, your first kind of group of, of customers or fans or whatever are going to be your friends.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so that is definitely true for us. Um, but then our our first guest, we were definitely super nervous. So nervous. And they were not like a they weren't a bad guest at all, but they were definitely like a little bit more of like a a high maintenance guest. <laughs> and there were some things that happened that were just totally insane. Out of our control.
2: <laughs> like what? Like what?
0: Tell they like. Did- a bear, okay, or apart our shed on the first night that they were staying there,
1: <laughs> like ripped off the padlock what? to get into the shed, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and yeah. ripped the doors off the shed. And the guy, the guy reached out to us in the morning and was like, "I think somebody broke into your shed," <laughs> and we were like, "No, that was a bear." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Oh man,
2: geez, that's you, memorable."
1: Yeah, <laughs> and and. Uh, he and his partner um, were from the city. So okay. I think that that might be where they might not have realized like some of the wildlife situations that might go down in Vermont. Um, so that was one big thing that we learned like right from our first guest is like, hey, not everyone that's coming here is familiar. Yeah. With the
0: environment. Yeah. yeah
1: the environment bears, but like also just... Uh, I don't know
0: what else Bears. Woods. woods stuff. Yeah. Wood stuff. I mean <laughs> like there's, yeah,
2: there's it's, you're in the woods, right. And yeah, if you're yeah. in the woods, there are other people that actually live full time in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other people. And also other, other creatures, obviously. Yeah. I, we've had my, I, I've had my own encounters with the, the wildlife of Vermont. Um, That's a story for another time, but, um, but yeah. So, okay. So that very cool. So you guys, you, what you probably spent like a, a, a couple thousand, few thousand dollars to get it, you know, the house ready for, for guests that happens Uh, and then at at what point in time do you you, do you realize like wow this like was a good investment uh or have you realized that yet like like talk to us a little bit about how how it has performed because again you know i think you you hear a lot on these podcasts right people come in and they talk about how great their business is and how big their portfolio is and how you know much cash is flowing and and and, you know that's that's great it's also like for, for for folks and I don't know if you guys consider, I think you guys consider yourselves in, in this category, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. But folks that really care about like building experiences and like being like a real hospitality entrepreneur, right? Like, you know a, a lot of these individuals they care way more about experience than like the airbnb gurus that are just like talking about like you know oh my gosh we've got another 20 doors added to our portfolio right so yeah. so all that is to say is that sometimes like profit margins are they just look different right depending on what kind of business you think that you're in so all that to say like how have you guys thought about this how is it how is it performing as a as an investment for you all is it meeting expectations exceeding expectations like now that you're a few years in, how do you think about all of this?
1: Yeah. So, like we said in the beginning, our initial goal was to just cover our mortgage. Yeah. Um, and I think that by the second month in operations, we were doing that. Wow. Uh, we were bre- we were breaking even. Definitely by month three. Um, by month four, going into our busy season, which is ski season, we were already turning a profit. And I was like, whoa. This happened way faster than I even thought it would. Um, again, a big part of that is the fact that we bought into the market at a yeah. really good time before this before like how housing prices went up because of COVID. Um, overall, it's like far exceeded our expectations. Yeah, um, there are definitely ups and downs that come with it um we saw huge increases during covid both to occupancy and ADR and Revpar um and things are trying to level off now and yeah. there the competition is much fiercer the market is completely saturated um everybody and their mom wants to buy an Airbnb, uh, especially in Vermont because it is so popular as a driving distance destination from New York and Boston um You know, so I think that our strategy has always been like stay true to like what our initial intentions were, which is create an experience for people, a positive experience where they have a really comfortable, cozy home base to come back to at the end of every day of going out and exploring Vermont, no matter what the season Um, and not letting, you know everyone around us, uh, the other cabins that we see on social media, for example, luxury building this, uh, you know, not letting the comparison game kind of get the best of us because we have the experience, uh, we have the reviews behind us. We know that we're providing something special. Um, so yeah, we definitely don't consider ourselves like Yes, we are investors, but we don't consider ourselves as someone, as a couple who are building a portfolio per se. Yeah. We're building building a hospitality brand uh, and we're building a place to provide people refuge from their nine to fives and everything else that's crazy in this world that sometimes you just need to like run away from for a couple of days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you guys must have a really interesting perspective because again, you, 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 launched the vermont a-frame back in back in 2018 and since then to your point yeah covid was was crazy and you saw like lots of new capital kind of coming in and these new builds and whatnot and like that must have been like really interesting to watch unfold like you know probably scary at times or, or frustrating at times but but probably it probably just like super also validating that like wow okay we 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 picked a good market. Like other people want to be here, right? Like that's, you know, blessing and a curse, right? But um that that must have been such an interesting sort of like surreal thing to see unfold because you guys were doing the whole like unique stay thing before unique stay things like was a thing, you know?
1: Yeah, when in fact I think the week we closed on our house, uh what 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 website was that? The New York Post? I forget. I think it was the New York Post published this article on three like curated cabin owners that were in Southern Vermont and how Southern Vermont was quickly becoming the like the new, the Hudson,
0: next, Valley yeah, the new Hudson Valley. Yeah, the New Hudson
1: Valley, I think, is what they called it. Interesting. Um, and they published that like the week we closed on our cabin. And I was like, I, I feel like we're onto something. Yeah. Here. Um, and then, yeah, seeing the explosion of it during the pandemic was incredibly validating to feel like, hey, I actually took a risk here. We invested our own money. We invested our own time.
2: Yeah.
1: And we're seeing the payoffs. And now it's it's not just us that are seeing that. It's like other people are seeing how lucrative it can be to an extent. Um and trying to do it themselves. So yeah, definitely validating, definitely a little scary, definitely a little intimidating to see, uh, you know, people coming in with far more money to invest than we have. Yeah. Um, and feeling like, you know, these people are going to be able to, you know, take over what we've created and it hasn't been like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And just staying true to who we are at our roots, we're not luxury, uh, but we can provide what we can provide guests is, an incredibly memorable place to create memories with their families and with their friends that they'll talk about for the rest of their lives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's beautifully said. And uh, I am just curious, like how did you, did you guys find yourself having to be a little bit more competitive with like pricing and like reducing your price, your nightly rates? Like how, how did that like affect? Cause again, you, all these people came in, they, people were building, you know, cool cabins left and right and, and launching them and building brands around them. And like, I mean I, I imagine you you, you while well, you guys were the leaders like you guys were the OG in 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 many ways like I, at the same time that that had to have affected how you thought about pricing strategies and whatnot like how how did all of that play out
1: Yeah I think during the pandemic we were able to be a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. um we've eased up on some of that now just because like we don't want people to feel like they're priced out of staying with us um yes we have overhead that we need to cover we pay our cleaner a very fair living wage. Uh, She's our biggest expense, but she also does the most for us. Mm. Um, So, you know, when people see a high cleaning fee on Airbnb, know that 100% of that goes to our cleaner. That is exactly what she charges us. In fact, she actually charges us more. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we don't pass that full cost along to our guests.
0: Um, I think, I mean, I think, Pricing strategy wise, I think we've more so been, instead of, I I think we've had more conversations around like, let's not charge this much. Yeah. Mm. Let's, instead of like, let's, we, we must charge X amount. Yeah. I feel like there have been more conversations around like, Hey, demand is telling us that we can charge this, but we've, we've been like, that's not necessarily a number we're comfortable charging people. Yeah. um, Not, not to discount the experience that they would have at the A-frame, but just, you know, not feeling super comfortable with some of those numbers, I think, has been more of the yeah. conversation.
1: Yeah, and it's also all about the ideal guests that you're trying to get Yeah, into, right? 100%. Um, you know, we've actually found uh, that our, like, middle-of-the-road guests are actually our best guests. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when people charge... Um, And I talk a lot about this at work, but, you know, charging too much can lead to higher expectations being set. And then if the property doesn't meet those expectations, well, you're kind of setting yourself up for a bad review just because the demand is there doesn't necessarily mean that your property is going to warrant that. And you have to be real with yourself about that, right? Um, You know, and, and I think that's something that we try to do is we try to be very realistic about expectations and what we think is achievable and what's really not.
2: Yeah, I, I love I love that you guys are talking about this because not enough people are talking about this, and it's, it's incredibly important, right? So beyond knowing like who your ideal like guest is, I love what you what you just mentioned that just because demand is there doesn't necessarily mean that. Your prices should go way, 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 way up. And like, I've been in case, I've been in situations where, you know, my wife and I have been, we, we were traveling, living full time in Airbnb for like a year and a half. And like, there were times where we would like splurge, right? And we'd be like, okay, like, this is a splurge. And for us, it was a splurge, right? And, and, you know, those stays, you, you, you best believe like when I walked in and like there was like, you know, two coffee pods or something, I was like DMing the host being like, yo, like, <laughs> I just spent, you know, X hundreds of dollars on this for per per night. Like this is my expectation. Whereas for him or, or her, whoever was whoever the host was at the time, like, you know, that was like a that was like a cheap stay for them. Like that was like they were they were quote unquote losing money or breaking even on on our stay, right? Because like one of the things right. that happens, obviously, is, as you know, Monique, having you know working for Price Labs with dynamic pricing, is things things change a lot, right? And so I I got a deal, right? But it was still expensive for me, and therefore my expectations were were higher. Um, and so I, I love that you guys are talking about this because at the same time, sometimes the best guests, right, are the folks that are, you know, coming in at that at that mid level um, that are going to be so appreciative and so thankful for this really cool space that you've that you've created. Once you creep into a, a, a certain price, a certain price point, people just do expect a lot more and they expect quick service and, and you know, they, they expect you to come frickin take care of the bear. During their stay and rebuild the shed during your, you know, like those are the expectations that people have.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there was one instance in particular uh, with one of our higher-paying guests who misread the Wi-Fi password, and uh, you know, I have an impeccable response time. I try to respond within like fifteen minutes. Um, so if you're not hearing from me uh that means that something's going on and usually (laughs) jason will jump in and respond or if jason's not available um our our cleaning lady slash like property manager will even respond um but this guest um you know he was a lovely man um but he typed in the wi-fi password wrong and he didn't even reach out to say like hey it didn't work it was more of a message of like I want to say this is almost verbatim, but, uh, you need to come here and rectify this immediately. Sure. Let me hop in my car drive four hours and show you that you actually need to type in a capital V instead of a lowercase V. Um,
2: Oh, people are amazing. People are so funny.
1: I will say, say, um, you know, and for anyone who's listening, who's been that, who's been that guest, it's okay. It's okay to have high expectations. Um, but please at least, you know, try to remember that like we're people too, uh, and that things will go wrong and we're going to do our best to make sure that you have a good stay. We're not trying to like, you know, um, at the end of the day, like, yes, profit, our bottom line is a big deal for us because that's how we are able to keep the cabin and operate the cabin. Um, but we realize that it's all about the experience. And I want to be able to provide a good experience to you because it is quite literally my face (laughs) on the brand. Yeah. On the brand. Yeah. We're putting our personal selves like behind this brand, 100%. Um, that guest actually did end up being super nice. Uh, when I was able to reach out to him and be like, Hey, listen, can you just try this before we send someone over to take a look at it? And he was, like, super apologetic and was like, oh, didn't do that work, I'm really sorry, like, you know? But, but it happens. In yeah. moments of frustration, it
2: happens. Yeah, 100%, 100%. That's, that's freaking hilarious. Last-minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So, I, you know, you guys, I don't even know if you know this, but if you Google like Vermont A-frames, you guys, you know, rank number one your website, not your Airbnb listing, which is like really great. That's even, you know, more people kill for stuff like that so you guys have done a really great job at building out your website you have a direct booking site as well uh you obviously have incredible reviews on on airbnb but i do want to just talk a little bit about how you guys have thought about building your your brand and and really sort of building your own channels so talk to us a little bit about like percentages of of guests that come from direct bookings versus airbnb's and just you know share a little bit about how you guys have thought about the overall branding and marketing strategy
1: um Okay. Um I feel like there's actually a lot to cover here. Um I
0: mean I think the question that could probably be answered most easily right away is the percentage breakdown of OTAs versus direct, direct booking. And as of right now, I would say we're between 95 and 100% OTA booking. Yeah. Um we get some direct bookings. Um you know, usually people that we're connected with already and we, you know, book off platforms, something like that. But as of right now, The vast majority is is on-site booking. Yeah,
1: I would say, I think maybe 95% is a little high. I would say maybe 90% is coming from the OTAs. Um, Direct booking website is new to us. Um, It's something that we had hemmed and hawed about for a while previously, if someone wanted to book direct. uh, You know, if we had a personal relationship with them, we felt comfortable doing so. Um, We have the right insurance on the house and everything like that. So it wasn't really a matter of that. It was just kind of a matter of like, you know, how do we like make this more official, right? Yeah. Because I didn't want to have to tell strangers like, "Hey, Venmo us." Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah right. So yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we have had someone pay by check, but it was someone <laughs> that we knew. Um So that was something that really, over the last six months, we kind of maybe even longer than that, maybe the last year. It's something that we kind of started setting money aside to onboard with um, an actual PMS instead of running things directly through Airbnb and VRBO. Um, We invested the money into the PMS to get that direct booking widget on our website. Um, That direct booking widget has been live for maybe only a month now, so it hasn't seen much action, but our marketing strategy is definitely pivoting to promote more direct booking because that's how guests are ultimately going to save the most. Right. Um, the OTAs charge a pretty hefty fee depending on which OTA you're booking on. Um, Airbnb, you know, while the host only ends up paying 3% for most, for most listings, there are cases in which they pay the full, you know, 17, 18%. Yeah. The guest then is responsible for about 14%. And that can add you know, a hundred, two hundred $200 and like per stay yeah. to, each, to each reservation on top of the hefty cleaning fee. And then it's like, you see all that and you realize, well, it's no wonder why Airbnbs get a bad rap on places like Twitter. And you have people going off about the fact that, you know, they need to take the garbage out before <laughs> they check out when they're paying, you know, so much money for a stay like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So I do think that our strategy is going to be pivoting more and more towards getting those direct bookings. Um, within my work life, I've made some good connections, thankfully, with some other people in the direct booking space. Um, and I'm really thankful for that and all the resources that they've provided me to try to like learn more about that. But um, backing up to like even when we first started, I think we knew from the get-go that the brand was going to be one of the key things that we focused on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um as soon as we were under contract on the house, I claimed the Instagram handle the Vermont A-frame. Like yeah. the death. We hadn't closed on it yet but we were under contract and I was like that's it. I'm
2: all in. <laughs> Got to get that handle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Nobody's taking this name and thank God. Thank God I did because how many A-frames are there in Vermont now?
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, that, that was, that was, that was lucky. That was like freaking gold. Uh, well, 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 uh, made decision right there. I do. So, th- uh, thinking about sort of your guys' brand and marketing strategy, I know that you guys have worked with like a lot of influencers. Um, and you know, you guys have, uh, I think close to 10,000 followers on, on, on Instagram, right? Like you, you guys have really grown a, an audience. You've used influencers to help, to help get you there. So, again, another one of the questions that I get asked a ton from listeners is just like, Hey, like. I, I don't I, I can't figure out this like influencer game. Like I don't know, like everyone does it a little bit differently, right? Like some people charge, some people don't. Sometimes it's just a free night. Sometimes you know, it's uh, people want more multiple free nights. How, how, you know, how do I think about all of this? How do I make a good decision about you know who to, to who to invite to my space? Um, and I'm just curious, how have you guys wrestled with that question? You've you've partnered with some of the best uh, in, in the industry, and I'm just curious, what have you learned through this experience? And kind of like without without naming names and you know shaming people, what 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 have been like really good experiences that you've had? And and what what are some experiences that were just like really terrible that you've learned learned a lesson or two from?
1: Um, We learned some lessons early on. We had a few influencers come to stay and in exchange for free nights, they were giving us photos. Um, We learned almost immediately that you can't just say, give us photos. You need to specify very clearly what the deliverables are. (laughs) Uh, We received from... A few of them, uh, less than two dozen photos um, for a two night stay. And that's, you know, for a midweek stay, you're talking about around a $500 value, give or take. Yeah. Um, So that's not really a fair exchange, right? Especially when we're talking about an exchange. Um, So getting really clear on what your deliverables are. Um, Our deliverables now are probably even higher because in addition to photos, you know, we're looking for content that we could use in reels. Yeah. Um, We're long distance hosts. We live four hours away from the house. So I can't pop over there at any given time to create a reel based on some trending audio that I can't predict is going to be trending in a month from now. Um, I think the second thing is, um, making sure that the person that you're working with is in alignment with your brand and the brand values.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, We've had people reach out to us that while they have great followers, huge reach, even good engagement, um, their, their, their fan base, their brand, their aesthetic doesn't line up with ours. Uh, For example, it doesn't make sense for, um, I don't know someone who's typically an influencer on the beaches of Florida. <laughs> um, you know, talking about like beach stays and things like that. Yeah. To suddenly pivot to staying in Vermont in the mountains, um, skiing and hiking—that's not our target audience. Yeah. While everyone is welcome in our home, that's generally not who—not who's like staying.
0: That's us. not who's like interested in coming. Right. 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 <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we're like we're who's following us on Instagram, right? right? Um, so really honing in on like who your ideal customer is. Um and typically, what we've found um from our own experience and from friends who also have their own businesses, not even just within the short-term rental space, which is like in general. Yeah, um, you're typically marketing to someone who's very similar to yourself. Hmm. So um, our ideal guest is are typically couples. Mm-hmm. Um, or groups of two, two, three, four friends, um, who enjoy the outdoors and who either want to go up in the winter to ski or want to go up in the summer to hike, um, enjoy reading books, listening to records, uh, would rather play a board game than watch Netflix. Um, that's kind of like the, the vibe, the aesthetic that we go for. So finding influencers that are aligned with that is really important.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love this point and it's it's we've talked about it before on this podcast, but I but I do think it's really, really crucial that folks do take the time right to really critique and evaluate like like people think, oh, well, it's just a it's just a night, right? Or it's just a couple of nights or whatever it is. It's, it's the middle of the week. I, I'm not booked anyways. And you know, hey, to, to each his own. But but at the same time, like that adds up, right? You still gotta pay your cleaner on top of what you know the free night stay that you're giving. Like, who knows? Maybe you would have gotten a last minute booking, right? Like, you know, these these a lot of times these partnerships they're they're worked out like you know not very last minute. They're worked out a couple months or or, or longer in advance, right? So who's to say those couple nights wouldn't have booked, right? So you you know it, it is it is an investment, right? And I do think. To your point, setting expectations is is super super important up front. I also think it's really really important that people understand like the difference between and actually Sarah Reutman from Field and like talks about this a lot. She talks about like how important it is to understand right whether you're trying to leverage just someone's skill set or also their audience right and like those are different approaches and you know depending on the depending on the context like you might just you might find somebody who's got like no followers but their freaking stuff is incredible right and like that's okay if you just want someone to give, give you content to post on your page but if you're mm-hmm. if you're trying to freaking grow your following, right? Like you you, it doesn't matter how talented you are if you've only got a thousand followers. Like you're not a, you're not going to be a good fit for what the purpose of your campaign is.
1: Yes, that's that's actually something. Um, I did an Instagram live with um, a colleague on this yesterday on influencer marketing marketing specifically, and one of the things that I noted is that. It's really important to note the difference between someone who's just a photographer, someone mm-hmm. that you're hiring for the skill set, versus an influencer who you're you who you're hoping to use their reach and yeah. their audience to gain followers. Um, we've worked with both. We've had positive experiences with both. The common, I think the common underlying theme to all the people that we've worked with that have been successful is the quality of the content. Hmm. Um we've had great experiences paying for uh influencers, paying for services. So I like don't rule out people just because they charge for their services. Um
2: which yeah, those, which actually those have been some of our best. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that's actually a really good point. Like if you if 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 you want somebody who's really really good and if your goal is like hey, I want a bunch of content that we can play around with and use for like the next year or the next several months at least, like you really like you should be paying for that, right? Like, you know, yeah. be, brain, people pay uh, creators right? in any other business and you are running a business in any other business you are paying for marketing support or you're doing all of that yourself right like if you're if you can do it all yourself and you're great and you can get up to your cabin every weekend then then wonderful like and if you're a good yeah. photographer by the way everyone thinks that they're a good photographer most people aren't right and like that's just the reality so if you want great content you should be willing to pay for it and i and mm-hmm. i think that that's something that also needs to be said more is like look you might be better off finding one individual who's really good at creating content, paying them, and then just partnering with other creators or influencers in this space that might have bigger reach. And maybe you don't even need to give them a free night stay, but you can work out an, a campaign to just leverage their audience with existing creative or something like that. Right. Like there are there are a lot of ways to kind of play this game. And I, I do actually think that the if, if you want really great stuff or a longer term relationship, it, it is worth paying for. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean our our most impactful, I think, stay. I mean, I don't think we can call them out. Chris and Pam from I thought
1: we weren't going to name names. Why
0: not? <laughs> no, they're they're
2: great. They're they're wonderful. And and they're well- known. you've
1: interviewed them, right? Yeah, I actually I, mean, I actually
2: haven't. I ha- I have not interviewed them. Um they're they're on my they're on my desired uh list, but uh Oh, I know who no.
1: you've interviewed. I know who you've interviewed. Never mind. Yep. But yes, um they were worth every penny. Yeah. yeah. Highly positive experience. Um absolute professionals. Um, just overall pleasant people to yeah. talk to. We continue to have a great relationship with them. Uh, we look forward to working with them again in the future. Um, I think that the pe- the people whose content we're able to continually repost, uh, and see organic engagement with even after some time are the people that we've had the most successful yeah. relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is I mean that's that's important, right? It's like that that just shows that just gives credence to the quality of the work. If people are still wait you know, willing to engage with content a lot later, then whoever shot that content knew what they were doing. <laughs> uh but um, hey, guys, this is this has been wonderful. A couple of final questions: as you guys think about sort of like next steps, like where wh- where's your head at? Like, are we are we really happy? We just want to kind of keep you know uh, slowly kind of growing uh, the Rom- the Vermont A frames sort of brand. Obviously, increase direct bookings. That sounds like that's a strategy in the works. Uh, but or, or are you guys thinking a little bit bigger? Like, where where's your where, where are your heads at now?
1: Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to reveal too much and jinx ourselves, um, but. You know we are definitely looking to grow um we dipped our toe in the waters with a couple different uh options uh such as like co-hosting and consulting um and while we had a great time doing so um i think at the end of the day those aren't the things that are right for us yeah we really like i feel you know having ownership is definitely important to us and yeah. having you know because then you you've got skin in the game um So that's really important. And yeah, we are looking to expand. Uh, We have some ideas up our sleeves. Um, But like I said before, we are pretty particular in what we go for. Uh, So I think just like trying to be patient. Yeah. Wait till the right opportunity presents itself.
2: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know what? You know what you guys should do? All of the like Vermont, like A-frame people, uh, or even just Vermont cabin people you guys should find a way to build some sort of like collective where like like the you guys are all tar or not all, all but many of you are targeting the same kind of guest right like yeah. and the reality of the situation and this is one of I, I don't know like my hot takes on the whole like you want people to come back and whatnot. and it's like I have stayed in places that I have absolutely loved, but I'm just like, next time I plan a trip to that place, I'm actually probably not gonna go stay in the same place just because I wanna try somewhere new, right? Like, And I think that there is something to like the traveler that just because you had a great experience one time in one place, even if everything was perfect, you're not just necessarily going to go back there, and that's okay, right? So it's like, yeah. wh- what what would it be like if like all the Vermont cabin people got together and are like, hey, like, how do we help co-market our places, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day, like, hey, maybe I don't, maybe I've already stayed at the Vermont A-frame; it was perfect, but now I want to go and I want to try another Vermont A-frame, uh, and and you know, not the not the OG, but I want to go at you know the Kingdom A-frame or the you know the chalet or whatever it is. Like uh, these are other cabins in the space it'd be really cool to find some way to work out some sort of like membership or like club with, with other players. Um, cause you got, again, there's, there's, there's a niche there. The, the kind yeah, of people yeah. that want to come and stay in these places, like they're not that different from each other. Right. Um, so anyways, uh, my, 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 my two cents for, for, for what you guys like should it. do. I
1: like it too. <laughs> a little punch card of all the A-frames. Exactly. Check them out
2: <laughs> exactly. Or like, you know, get really creative and be like, Hey, like, you know, if you love Vermont A frames, like, and you love what we're doing here, you know, help help us out. You know, may, maybe you pay thirty bucks, forty bucks a year, whatever it is, to become like a member. You get a you know five percent discount off your state or something like that. Like, how 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 do you think about sort of building these cool membership programs around you know spaces and and travelers that are that are very similar uh, in, in a lot of ways?
1: I like that idea. And yeah. We might we might. Uh take some action.
2: On this. <laughs> I'm a fan and I will do whatever it takes to help you guys. If you guys put something like that together, I will, I will help market that in, in whatever way I can. Cause I, I really do think that that's, that's the next frontier. We're trying to do something like that with collections uh, via spontaneous a little bit, but this would be like the next level of that. So, um, yeah. Anyways, get get back to me on if you guys uh, decide to to work on this. But, uh, you know, Jason, Monique, this has been amazing. I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy, busy lives to share a little bit about your story with us. For folks that are tuning in that want to learn more, we'll have your Instagram link below. We'll have your website link below. We'll have your Airbnb listing link below as well. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Any sort of like parting words to those tuning in today?
1: I don't know. I feel like I I talked a lot.
0: I'm- <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for thanks for visiting Vermont.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, great guys, this has been a, a pleasure. Really, really thankful for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks, Zach. We had such a good time. We're really happy to be part of Spontaneous and uh, come on the podcast. You've had some really, really, really incredible people on here before us, so we feel really honored to like be part of something that's so much bigger than we ever thought that it could ever be.
2: Well, the pleasure is is all mine. And as as I mentioned, I I really do think you guys are one of the OGs in the in the unique stay space. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. But thanks so much for your time. Thanks. Zach. Thank you. Hey friends hope you've enjoyed today's show if you are an airbnb host or know an airbnb host who'd like to come on the show please send me an email at zach zach at spontaneous.com and we will chat behind the stage is brought to you each week by spontaneous a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on airbnb Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.